Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside the world of wrestling in a show by fans for fans. Coming up today, we're on the home stretch on the road to WrestleMania, talking Cody versus Seth, Kevin Owens having the time of his life as he impersonates Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Brock Lesnar pulling the doors off SUVs. And in AEW, Jeff Hardy is jumping off stanchions, Chris Jericho is elevating young talent, Thunder Rosa is a new women's champion, and William Regal is better than he's ever been. It's a brilliant, bonkers time to be a fan, and we get into all of it, and so much more, right now on Earning the Push. Yeah, I think that we're all pretty sure it's happened. They're not going to go into Mania without Seth for the match. He's too big, he's too important, he's too good. Uh, I think the question is, how do they do it? What do you think Do you think they will do on Monday Night Raw? He comes out and we know a week in advance, or we do the classic, Seth comes out in the middle of Mania, like interrupts someone's promo or something, says he's Seth freaking Rollins, I'm too good not to win the Mania card, here's your chance, anyone who wants to step to me can. And then we we hear Cody's music and that's how we do it. What, what do you reckon? Do you know what? I'm in two minds. I'm so fickle at the moment because last week there I was going, I'm not that excited about Cody. The buzz has gone. And Seth Rollins and WWE did a great job on Raw of getting me excited about it. Part of me wonders if they if they sort of do a halfway house. You know, if at the end of the end of Raw, just Cody's neck tattoo logo flashes up on the screen or something like that, that there's a... There's a tease, or you do it like um with Undertaker at WrestleMania 34, where Cena was desperate for the match, and you didn't officially announce it, but everyone knew it was coming. Either way, he's going to get a big pop at Mania. Yeah, if I was them, I'd do it that way. I'd do it of, we all know this is happening. I wouldn't give any confirmation. We'll just wait until Seth. I'd have him run down to the ring, demand a match, say, come on, this is your chance. Anyone who wants to step to me. And then Cody's music hits, and um, yeah, I'd have that, and have them have a good match. Give them a good match, and obviously Cody'd have to go over for me. Don't bring him back, and don't let him win. <laughs> Particularly in front of that WrestleMania crowd, which is the smartest crowd of the year. Could you imagine if he came back, and then Seth Rollins hits the curb stomp, and one, yeah. two, three, there, down goes Cody. Yeah, side note on the WrestleMania crowd, I had some hideous news this week that really frustrated me. So a friend of mine, Henry Trinder, who I played out with Gloucester and then came and coached at Ampley, now plays for the Dallas Jackals. He's got tickets to go to WrestleMania in AT&T Stadium, and he doesn't even like wrestling. Oh. And he's like, I'm not sure if I'll go. Henry, and I said, Henry, Henry, Henry. Henry, you have to. And then he said, well, I'll go. I won't really know what's happening. I might leave halfway through, but I'll take some pictures for you. And I, honestly, I couldn't speak to him for the next few hours. I had to mess with a few hours later, but like, I've calmed down now. So he is going to be at an event where arguably the biggest AEW to WWE jump so far will happen, where Stone Cold Steve Austin comes back and he's not really fussed what's going on. He's like, ugh, I'll see if I'm doing anything that weekend. And you know he's going to have good tickets if these are sort yeah. of complimentary tickets. And, They're not going to be up in the bleachers. He's living in the city that is Mania City for the whole year, week, because that's so cool, isn't it, being in Mania City? Yeah, I'm not talking to Henry Trinder at the moment. <laughs> well, I don't think any of our listeners are going to talk to him. If you follow Henry Trinder... I was going to say slide into his DMs and tell him what he's missing, but we don't encourage that behaviour. No, but wow. No. Um, how good has Seth been and WWE in building the importance of having that WrestleMania moment? I think he's done an amazing job of, by wanting that moment, 
just showing as if we didn't know what WrestleMania means to performers. And we talk about stakes a lot. Well, that's it. Massively, because that's the thing. Someone like Seth, who's done it all in WWE, I think because maybe because he was part of the Shield and maybe he plays second field to Roman a little bit sometimes, we forget just how good he is and what he's achieved. He's absolute upper echelon of WWE stars of the last 10 years, really, Seth Rollins. Some of the matches he's had, the accolades he's, he's achieved, he's huge. So for him to be chasing, <clears throat> excuse me, him to be chasing this WrestleMania match and moment is massive. And yet it does make us think, oh, okay, even even if there is no title at stake, even if there isn't a match specifically you want, just having a match at Mania is everything. Because he's that that's the clever thing is, it's not like he's going after one match, he's going after anyone's match. He just wants to be on the card. I think they've done a really good job there without making him look pathetically desperate, making him seem like he is desperate to get on this card because Mania is everything to wrestlers. It plays into his unhinged character. Here's a question. Do you think at WWE's biggest show of the year the stadium is going to erupt with AEW chance when Cody does show up. It's a risk, isn't it? It is, but I also think it's one of those where, does it really matter? Because are you telling me anyone in that crowd is going to hear them and go, hang on, what's this AEW they're on about? But it's you, the you, main you know crowd. To, you know to WWE, you know, to have your big show of the year and have someone else's brand that you don't own chanted, they're not going to want that. No, they're not. They're not going to want it. And I think you might get a little bit of it, but I think Seth and Cody will be aware of the match they have to put on. If they get boring, if they get slow, you're going to get AEW chance. I think it could be 15 minutes of just non-stop uh, foot to the throttle, throttle to the floor, just 100 miles an hour rest. I think it could be a great match. It could steal the show on the night it's on because I just think it's going to be so much fun. The crowd will be hot. I think they know they've got to put a show on with that one. I'm really keen to see what Cody does to reinvent himself, if anything, because he's not going to want to turn up and be exactly the same Cody Rhodes that left AEW. I do have an issue with the way they tried to get Seth into this match, and they didn't on Monday Night Raw, which is Edge costing AJ the match by smacking him in the back with a chair and then AJ getting the win by DQ. And I know wrestling is full of daft things for daft people, and the whole concept is daft. But I was thinking about this. Imagine you had a match where you could win your league, and then someone comes out of the crowd, drills you in the back with a chair, and then you win anyway. It is one of those wrestling things where you go, that's a little bit silly. Yeah, it's not the way I would have gone there, but I think, thankfully, the rest of this is so good that it won't be something come WrestleMania be going, oh, well, actually, he should have been wrestling AJ Styles because he shouldn't really have lost that match. I think I think we'll be okay, but I do I do completely see your point. Though There are some little tidbits in wrestling that we like, well, that doesn't really make sense. I was like, growing up, I never understood in title matches why the champion didn't just get disqualified. I never understood it. I was like, I'd walk, if I was a champ, I'd walk in there, hit him with a chair and walk out and be like, champion stuff. <laughs> was was that an impression of me, by the way, earlier? That voice no, you just... no, 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 that wasn't the impression of you. That was an impression of all the uh, terrible fans who mo all they do is moan on the internet. We moan on a podcast, that's different. That's different. We, we've cornered the market. No one else moans have, on a podcast. No, we, have, we have the guts to put our face to it and talk about it online. We are the brave, awful wrestling fans. It may not have been an impression, but it wasn't far off. I know how I sound, and that was sort of uncanny. Um, look, if, if we talk about wrestling being brilliant... How good was Kevin Owens having oh. the time of his life oh. coming out when that music hit? And yes, we saw it in Montreal with Shawn Michael. Everything old is new again. But that was just fantastic. 
that poor crowd. <laughs> Genuinely, that poor crowd. There was that one woman they cut to who was raging. She did not find it funny, and I don't think she will have yet. It's now, what is it, Thursday? We're four days removed. I don't think she's laughing yet. Because that's a bucket list moment, the glass smashing and seeing Stone Cold. And from the top of the ramp, because he was dressed so perfectly, you wouldn't have known it was. It was only when the camera panned in and you saw that the physique wasn't quite Stone Cold-esque. You were like, oh, you you bloody nuisance, you Kevin Owens. Oh, it was <laughs> so good. He is He's having the time of his life, but I think he is in for the beating of his life at WrestleMania. I, I think because we're all so smart. We, yeah, you caught us once, Kevin, with the entrance at the start, but when the music hit the second time and the pops just as loud and then people realise, oh, he's done it to us again. So easy, but so good. And can you imagine young Kevin Owens breaking into the business thinking whether it's a match, whether it's a brawl, whatever it is, he's going to be at a 100,000-seater stadium with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. What a moment for this guy. It, it doesn't get any bigger, really, in wrestling, does it? Like, Stone Cold's return, whether it's a match or not, in his home state of Texas, 100,000 people at WrestleMania, that's... if you, I, I reckon if you ask Kevin after, if he retired there and then, I think he'd be a happy man. That It doesn't get much bigger, does it, really? That is huge. And also, for WWE to trust him being the man to do it, to put be the man to go against Stone Cold, that's a huge badge of honour and a huge accolade from Vince and WWE because... I imagine they will have handpicked this one and spoke to Stone Cold, who do you want to go with? Because they're not going to let him go with somebody he's not sure about, are they? No, not at all. And I'm, I'm thinking, if you're trying to position, you've got these two big moments. You've got Seth coming back, uh, Cody coming back against Seth at some point, and then you, you see that pop for Stone Cold, and there's no pop like it anywhere else. And in Texas, it's going to be 100 times that. What, what, where do you put... That much, do you open with it? Do you tease it on night one and carry it over to night two? What what do you do? I honestly, I think I'd night one. I think I'd start the whole show with the glass smashing, and I'd just have Stone Cold come out and be like, "I'm not waiting any longer, Kevin Owens, get your ass out here." And then whether it's a match, a brawl, whatever it is, because nothing's going to be able to follow it. Your 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 show is going to the next match is going to feel down. It's a tough thing to follow, but. The only chance you've got, I think, is do it at the start with a crowd of mad excited anyway. Like, you watch the Pops for first few matches at Mania anyway. They're always massive because people are just so excited to be at Mania. If you whack it in the middle of the card, when people are starting to get a little bit fatigued, and there'll be less of it this year because it's not seven hours long. Well, we don't know it's not going to be right. seven hours. WWE yeah. might think, i got two days. Let's go for it for seven hours yeah. on each. But... Yeah. Um, I think if you do it in the middle, I think people are fatigued. If you do it... Uh, semi-main before the main event you're killing your main event I'd open with it um, Seth and Cody I'd do randomly in the middle of the card somewhere mm. but I'd open night one with uh, with Stone Cold's glass smashing yeah I, I, I think you have to I think whether it's night one or night two it has to be the first thing that folks see and actually you could probably get away with it on night two of just really um, making it feel extra special I tell you what whatever night you're on if you're Henry Trinder, for example, you're not going to care. But if you've only got one night at WrestleMania and your night isn't the one with Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's going to it's gonna be hard. It's going to feel bad. That's a tough pill to swallow, that one. We won't lie. Let's talk about Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair because this is boiling up nicely. Great heel promo by Becky on Raw. Still not convinced she should be heel, but she's going full throttle with it. And again, we talk about stakes really making that Raw Women's Championship feel like the biggest thing in that division. 
yeah, it's, she's doing an incredible job. I agree. I don't know if she should be healed, but she is, and she's very good at it. She's doing a great job. Um, I think this could be a brilliant match. Again, it's not the match we should be getting at Mania. I've spoken about that on this podcast already. I think these two women will have a brilliant match. They're, they're excellent, both of them in the ring. It'll be the match we should have got at SummerSlam, isn't it, when um, Becky returned and squashed Bianca, and Bianca has to win. This has to be Bianca's redemption, but... Give him a good 15, 20 minutes and let him go. I think I think this will be better than Charlotte Ronda. I'm saying now, I think this will be a better match than Charlotte Ronda. A hundred percent. I think this is overshadowing entirely Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. I think they are going to have problems, Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, and they're both very, 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 very talented individuals. But you know that Becky and Bianca are going to want to go out and say, right, we're the women, we're the ones to beat, we're going to set the standard, follow that. And and when you give two performers as talented as Becky and Bianca that sort of fire in your belly, and you know that as an athlete, it just fires you up. Yeah, when you've got that little bit of a chip on your shoulder of the screw you mentality, I'll prove you wrong, that's when you get a lot of the best out of people. Especially someone, two women, sorry, two people who seem as fiery and as motivated as, motivated as Bianca and Becky do. Whenever you see them doing interviews, like you see the Broken Skulls with Stone Cold, you get a lot of insight into what Becky Lynch is about. And I think her I'll prove you wrong is when she's at her best. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good match. And I would close night one with it, I think. And let's not forget that for, for Bianca Belair, this is going to be a moment like none she's had before. Because yes, she main evented with Sasha last year, but that was still 37,000 in the stadium. It wasn't the full WrestleMania experience. Sure, she had a moment at SummerSlam with more folks in, but that wasn't a real match. This is the moment where she can show what she can do on the grandest stage of them all against the first woman, one of the three, to main event mania ever. I mean, it just is a huge opportunity for Bianca. It is. It's it's huge pressure as well. But there's a saying I like in sport that pressure is a privilege. If no one cares about what you're doing, there's no pressure. You you earn the pressure by being good and people expecting you to live to deliver or playing in big matches, wrestling in big matches. So yeah, there's a huge amount of pressure on her, but that pressure is a privilege of being on the grandest stage in front of 100,000, fighting for the title against one of the greatest of the generation. And let's not beat around the bush. You could be the standard bearer for this next generation of wrestling. Bianca Belair is that good. So I think she's going to excel. You see, you look at her athletic career, everything she's done outside of wrestling as well. She's always stepped up when when she needs to. So I think this is going to be brilliant. And um, I think we're going to see Becky Lynch covered in welts from that hair whip. It, it is remarkable, that hair whip as a weapon. Speaking of things we love to see, Brock Lesnar on SmackDown, basically, we don't endorse this, but basically tries to murder the bloodline and then sees a door and thinks, that's coming with me to the ring. He he is just on fire at the moment, is old Lesnar. I'd like to advocate for more wrestlers bringing parts of cars to the <laughs> ring with them. Like, I want to see, next week I want to see Edge just walking out with a tyre. No, no reason. Not not address it and then just kick it in the ring. Because that was my favourite when Brock just kicked it. Like, oh, you door, what are you doing here? You brought it, Brock. Like, I want to see AJ Styles walk out just with two windscreen wipers just for no reason. <laughs> like, th- th- can we make that a new thing? Um, oh, he's good, isn't he? Oh, cowboy Brock, you bloody brilliant man. Also, just forget his WWE title smash, doesn't he? Just, like, that was what the car door was. He's gone, oh, I forgot the title. I've got to take something. I'll take a door. He, he just is having the time of his life. I mean, this was Attitude Era stuff. You don't see that often. WWE pull these stunts, but you know Brock on that forklift driving it through yeah. through the car. Just 
excellent stuff. I think it's credit to how over the story is as well that we're positive about it and endorsing this because actually now in 2022, a lot of the Attitude Era stuff, the big stunts, we kind of go, well, we know that's not real. Like, that's a bit stupid. Like, there's be- why are we using a forklift when we could be using our time to put on a five-star classic or to have a great promo? But you and I sat here going, this is excellent. And that is credit to the... 18 months of storytelling they've put into this. I mean, they can pull off these things. Like the last time I can remember it is when we were seeing Braun Strowman flip, uh, flip vans and stuff yeah. with, uh, with Roman Reigns. Cause there was, there was six months of storytelling in that like long-term, long-term storytelling. I truly believe means you can do the wackiest stuff because people are more invested is when you've got a few that can go for a week and someone's putting a pie in their face. I'm like, well, this is just stupid. Whereas if Roman Reigns pied Brock Lesnar, Oh, I'd laugh. I mean, I kind of want to see that. I want to just see like a whipped cream pie in Brock's face. I don't know why. I don't know how you get to that. But if that's how they, if that's what they do on the go home SmackDown to WrestleMania, I'll really, really be all about that. I feel like that's a rematch for Extreme Rules, a pie in a pie in the face match. Um, here's what I would say: it is a different story to the one we maybe thought we were going to get. And I do think going back to day one, where they had to call an audible and switch things around, it is not the psychological, what will Paul Heyman do story we thought we're getting. I do think it's a little bit of a shame that we've gone down a more traditional storytelling route, but I suppose I'm entertained. So, so what does it matter? The one thing I will say, it still doesn't need those two belts. No one is looking at this storyline with less than two weeks till WrestleMania going, oh, it's a, it's about the prestige of unifying those two titles. It's about bringing them together. It's about brand supremacy. You could have really built another storyline with that WWE title and, and made something. No, I, I absolutely agree. I entirely agree with that. Um, that's the one thing it doesn't need. Not one point. And at not one point have I thought, oh, I'm glad there's two titles on the line. Um, so no, I, I agree with that, Matt. That's the only thing it doesn't need that it's got. Just a shout out to, I'm going to call them our mates, at uh, WWE on BT Sport for the best tweet I saw all week of photoshopping Brock Lesnar with his car door into the scene from the Inbetweeners where Neil has his door knocked off and then walking down, uh, out leaving Thorpe Park, wherever they are, and being like, don't worry, Neil's uncle will fix it which is the quote of the Inbetweeners. I thought it was brilliant. So if you're not an Inbetweeners fan, it'll go right over your head. If you are, it was hilarious. As a point of principle, I don't watch the Inbetweeners because I watched it once uh, with my parents, which wasn't a wise move. Bad move. Bad move straight away. And I believe there's a man in it with a briefcase. And they kept looking at him and looking at me (laughs) and laughing to themselves. And yeah. I don't know why, because I didn't watch. I watched ten minutes and thought this isn't for me. But they found it hilarious. So I'm guessing this guy with the briefcase and me may be similar in some way. Maybe a little bit. He looks a little bit like you, I think. So he's a handsome man, though. That didn't save it. You they're didn't. Always, they're always going on about how handsome he is in the show. Are they? Are they? I'll yes. check that out. I'll see whether or yes. not that's true. If you are a professional wrestling fan and like what we do here, there are three simple things that you can do right now to help our podcast grow. First, rate and review us wherever you're listening today. Secondly, subscribe so you never need miss an episode. And thirdly, tell other wrestling fans what we do here. We'd love for you to help us get even bigger and bigger. And we're so grateful for your support. And now, back to the show. Let's talk about AEW. Last week when we recorded, we didn't have Dynamite in the books. Now we can talk about it, and we have to start by giving huge props to the now former AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, losing the title in a bloodbath to Thunder Rosa, as brutal, as bloody as you would expect from those two. Ouch. 
Oh, what a match. What a brilliant, brilliant steel cage match. And I, I think I tweeted saying this has been a year-long feud, let's say, rough around that. It has just been some of the best work you will see in wrestling. It's one of the, I think, genuinely one of the all-time in any promotion women's feuds this now. We look back at the body of work they've had from that first death match, really, to now this steel cage and the story that's been told. The matches all stand up, the storytelling stands up, the promos stand up. It's just brilliant and so excited to see what Thunder Rosa does as the champ. I was glad we didn't see Britt Baker last night mm. uh, because I think a bit of time away is not a bad thing for her at all now. I think there's nothing worse than when um, a champion loses a title and they just put them into another story next week. I'm like, well, you're not a bit miffed that you lost your title. like. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant match last week. I, I thought, firstly, I love AEW's cage. It's a really... This is a phrase you'll only hear on a wrestling podcast. It's a really sexy cage. Bit of bit of space around the outside. Yes, tall enough. yes. I love there's a little bit of space. Like a Hell in a Cell, but not as much. Because it means it's just... I just think having the cage up against the ring limits what you can do so much. Yeah, I completely agree. And what I loved as well, if you haven't seen this, I'll clean up the language a little bit, but someone's at a pop at Britt Baker about thumbtacks on social media. And she's obviously thought, no, 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 I'm not having this. And she records a video and she holds up her forearm, which is covered from wrist to elbow in bruises and welts where the thumbtacks have gone into her arm. And you never really see that about the impact of the thumbtacks. And I think maybe even some of us more educated fans think maybe they gimmick them, maybe they're not as bad as they, they look. That looked gnarly. It looked horrible. Is there anything that makes you go, ooh, this is stepping up a little bit than when someone pours thumbtacks over the floor? It's it's one of those, isn't it, that makes you go, ooh, okay, they're going for this. I'm still waiting for the day one day where someone pours a thumbtacks out and then no one goes in them. Just the <laughs> ultimate troll of the fans. Um, but no, it was brutal. And that, that video, yeah, go and check out if you are, because she's covered in bruises and cuts. And that must hurt. And I remember hearing Jericho tell a story on a podcast, on his podcast, um, about how it took him like 47 minutes to get all the thumbtacks out of him after a match once. Just like, Jesus, like that, that can't be a fun 47 minutes. I think it's because we all can empathise with that. It's quite hard for us to understand what a suplex from the top of a cage feels like or how it feels to go through a table. But we've all probably at some point or another just, you know, got a thumbtack that, that's pricked you at the wrong point and and got to, to fall onto those puncture wounds one after the other after the other nasty nasty stuff we saw on dynamite last night as we record wednesday as you hear this jeff hardy having the time of his life in aew he's been there what three weeks and he's already found something new to jump off and i thought this is surreal because in that tornado tag match we had sting holding down um, the Butcher and the Blade, as Darby Allen watched on, and Jeff Hardy thinks, I'm going to climb this and jump off backstage, his first extreme swanton. Yeah, it was a really, really fun match, wasn't it? And Jeff's just out there swantoning off things. So he's happy. Matt Hardy looks the most motivated he's been in ages. Darby Allen and Sting are brilliant, aren't they? And even Butcher and the Blade and AFO were, were very good in this match. That bump Darby takes down the stairs. That's got to hurt. That we've all fallen down the stairs at some point. We know that hurts. He gets lobbed down. It. I think by, I think it was by the blade. Apologies if it was the butcher. I, I won't lie. I do get them confused a lot. Butcher's big and hairy. Blade is small and hairy. Okay, I'm still not sure which one it was. I just saw a hairy man jumping <laughs> down the stairs. Um, yeah, really good match. Good fun. Enjoyed it. Really interested to see. Do you think we're eventually building to a Sting and Derby versus Hardy Boys feud here? I would think so, but I don't quite know how you get yourself there. Because you don't want to turn... Firstly, I don't think you can turn 
Sting. And I don't think you can turn Jeff Hardy. So you've sort of got got this situation. It'll have to be face versus face. Um, I guess you could do it in a tournament if you did a number one contenders tournament. That might be a logical way to do it. But I, I just love, we say it every week, I love what they're doing with Sting, who celebrated a birthday this week and is looking better than ever before. I just think AW is booking him. It, it's the template. How to book a veteran to elevate younger talent. Do what they're doing with Sting. You cannot do it better. Absolutely. And Kenny McIntosh tweeted saying it this week saying, as brilliant as Sting is here, it just shows how much WWE dropped the ball seven years ago with him. Like they absolutely dropped the ball. They had seven years younger Sting motivated to wrestle and they got nothing like this out of him. So fair play to AEW and to Sting. It's just brilliant. And you can see he's enjoying it. Yeah, And what I like as well is um, a few people have made allusions to the fact that obviously one of the last times that Sting and Jeff Hardy shared a ring together was that, situation at Victory Road where Jeff Hardy clearly wasn't well and malfunction at the junction somewhere along the line, out he comes to the ring. And and I like the fact that they are both healthy and happy and wrestling and, and just getting to do what they love. It shows that no matter how dark things can get, there is another side if you can get through it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Let's talk about John Moxley, William Regal, and Brian Danielson. They now have a name, the Blackpool Combat Club. Go on, Charlie. Oh, how good's that? How good is the Blackpool Combat Club? I love everything about this. I love the name, first of all. I love, if you haven't seen Moxley's promo from last night, go and watch it, where he basically says the only person's opinion in wrestling he's ever cared about is William Regal's, and getting the um, approval of Regal was hard. He earned that the hard way. And that's what he says at the end. He says, if you want the seal of approval from the Blackpool Combat Club, there's only one way to get it, and that's the hard way. And I just love that there's these three men who have, they, they've all done it all. They've been through it all. They have each other's respect, and now they're just out there just laying out anyone who, wants to try and earn their respect. Like oh, those, the poor lads last night, the varsity blondes, poor lads, that spot where Moxie's got one of them and he's just elbowing him in the face. And in the background, Danielson's just stomping the other one in the head. I was like, oh, this is brutal, but brilliant. And I just love it. And I just know that it's going to be bad for my bank account when they start bringing out merch. I just know it is. Like as soon as I get it, they're going to get, they're going to go a proper simplistic, aren't they? Black T-shirt with white writing on that says Blackpool Combat Club, BCC, something like that. Probably have like Regal, Moxley, Danielson on the back. It'd be like 50 quid to get it to England. I'd be like, sold. Yeah, I, I, what I love is that William Regal is a seasoning we never knew we needed on this. Yes. We, we loved Brian Danielson and John Moxley and we love the idea of a team. And then he is... You can't say breath of fresh air because it wasn't stale before, but but you've got these great ingredients. You're thinking it just it just needs something. What does it need? And then out comes William Regal, who is putting them over from the moment he steps out of the tunnel on commentary into the ring last week with Wheeler Utah, just in the ring where Utah steps up to him, he slaps him, he smiles, he backs off. And even when you've not got Regal on mic, but you can hear the camera zoomed in on him going, no, you're a smart boy, you don't want to do this, just walk away. Yes, I respect you, but don't bite off more than you can chew. This is, I loved NXT GM Regal, this is even better. Yeah, because he's more involved, he's, he's got a physical edge to him, he's a bit more badass. Isn't he? He's, I honestly just want them to acknowledge that he's the godfather of professional wrestling. Call him that, that is what he's being portrayed as, he's the godfather, he, you need his respect to do anything in this place now. Um, 
I love it. I love it so much. Um, I don't know what I want these guys to do, but I never want them to split up, ever. It, it, do you know what I'm really looking forward to? Because I think what Regal's alluded to a couple of times, I may have this wrong, but I think where they're going is, you know, people will keep slapping him in the face and then, or he'll slap them and they won't punch him back. Because didn't he say something like, you know, I slap someone in the face, they punch me back, I've got their respect. And I think the moment where someone punches Regal back to join the BCC, that's going to be such a huge pop. Whoever gets that rub, it means so much. And that was my next question. You know the AEW roster better than me. Who do you think could join them? Would you go someone established again? Or is there someone up and coming there who that rub would, would be massive to, who would fit in? Because that's the problem of the BCC now is just of the guys who've been there, done it, earned the respect of each other and the wrestling world because they've done it all. So how would you then bring in someone who's young and up and coming without it cheapening the whole club? I think you wait a little while because there's no one immediately obvious. Frankly, some of the people I'd have, I'd have suggested are now part of Jericho's new group, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I would wait. I would just wait and wait. Maybe Wheeler Utah because there's there's so much buzz about him, but I think don't force it. Don't. I mean, okay, here, here's who you could say. We haven't spoken about Hook in a little while. Oh, here we go. You could you could take take my lad Hook, and he could potentially get it, but. I mean, come on, don't tell me you don't want a William Regal hook no, stare down. No, no, I could see it. I just don't think, don't know if he needs it. So, so I, I mean? think, he's, wait. He's, he's on his way to stardom already, that kid. Yeah. So I, I think, wait, you, you know you've got, that, you've got that trigger to pull whenever you need to. I think just leave it go. Let's have a quick word for Chris Jericho's new group because Chris Jericho, yet again, has reinvented himself. and has, Shock. And has, Yeah, but it is. I mean, we take it for granted. We say shock in like a sarky way because he's so yeah. good at it, but... How many folks have done the same act from day dot to the end and we've gone, that's brilliant, they never changed. And now Chris Jericho is the influencer Chris Jericho, ending his promos with that's entertainment. He's taken three guys who were sort of spinning their wheels on the roster. I'm more interested in Max Garcia now than I, than I was um, at any point. Not many people could name a group after them as their own appreciation society and get away with it. But Jericho can, can't he? Because again, he's been there, done it, and that's him. And he's in this great shape at the moment. And of course, he's reinventing himself to go along with it because that's what he does better than anyone in the history of wrestling. Um, the one thing you'd say with AW, I think at times, is there are so many groups, it's hard to keep track of who's who at times. I know I get confused now and again, but this one makes sense. It's given a rub to younger guys. Jericho's at his best, I think, at the moment when he's got a group around him. So it just makes sense with this one. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Just look at how many folks Chris Jericho, since he's been there, has has helped to make. I mean, firstly, he helped to make the title, which which you had to do. Le Champion. Le Champion. Then he made Orange Cassidy, having a feud with him. He bought MJF in, and he gets him in the New York Times doing his song and dance routine. He's got over Sammy Guevara with the Inner Circle, now he's working with Eddie Kingston. He helped get Eddie Kingston over. Now he, he's just gone in and he's almost gone, I'll work with you, you, you and you. Let's see what we can do. And credit to him because it's been fantastic. Yeah, he's, he has been invaluable to that company, I think. Um, I remember we spoke, I think on our former show, about who's going to take the title first. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think we said, the, the reason you go with Jericho is it gives credibility to the title and the company straight away. And I actually think looking back two years later, it's probably the best thing they did because straight away people are like, oh, Chris Jericho, I know that name. This company must be doing some good stuff. And then 
they just put their up and comers one at a time with Jericho and people watch it, not because it's Orange Cassidy, not because it's MJF, but because it's Jericho. And then they go, oh, there's Orange Cassidy, there's MJF kids, good as well. So I they've how they've used Jericho has genuinely been nothing short of genius. They've been brilliant the way they've used him. And he, he is just genius. And before we move on to our final set of um, hell freezing over wrestling moments, because we've got to do my one, I do want to just talk briefly about Jericho's podcast. If you haven't heard, and I, look, we appreciate it. We're one of them. There are so many wrestling podcasts around at the moment. If you haven't heard his conversation with William Regal yet, go out of your way to find an hour. Take the dog for a walk. If you've got a long drive, listen to Jericho and Regal. Have you had a chance to hear this yet, Charlie? I've heard bits. I haven't heard it all. Astonishing. I mean, basically, William Regal, uh, frankly, should not be alive, judging by everything that has happened to him. I mean, he had a broken neck since the early 90s. He was leaking spinal fluid. His heart was in a big calcified sack. And he lays it all out. And you think, I was seeing you on TV when you were doing all Mm. these things. How good could you have been had you not been dealing with all of this? It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. I will definitely listen to that. Two things that just popped my head randomly, though, from that conversation. For, uh, one of them's about our podcast compared to Jericho's. The other is something I want to see from Regal. Um, first of all, can we get a theme tune like uh, Jericho's? I will sing it. Okay, right. Yeah. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is me. Yeah, I'll, I'll work some out there. So I'll send that to you later. Okay, good. And secondly, something for the BCC that... Just I would love. I don't think it wouldn't work, and it wouldn't be really be that good. But it make me laugh if they were like, if you think you you can step to us, come out and try and join us. And if Tajiri came out just to be with Regal one last time, and Regal's face, that would make me laugh. That could happen. I could absolutely see that happening, and that would be an amazing. And the great thing about AEW is you know that yeah, they'd probably go in for that. Yeah, but no, that just popped in my head then. Uh, stupidly what i really love is chris jericho on um uh, excuse me william regal on commentary as well excalibur is the man with the mask pray tell who is that demon waif about um about danhausen when he came out last week i look aw is blessed with riches everywhere but you could almost get away with having regal on commentary for, for an hour of the show if you wanted to if he wasn't too busy making the bcc a thing when when that has run its course get him on commentary he's great yeah, he's so he's just he's just so good at everything in wrestling. He's an all rounder, isn't he? He's brilliant, and he's built this aura about him that means even if he's not that great at something, he's William Bloody Regal, so we'll enjoy it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Look, let's do some hell freezes over moments. Um, th- these have been great. We did a load of yours last week, so we're going to do mine this week before we set our um topic for next week. This, do you know what? This is a hard one. Hell freezes over because what you realise is you realise how many things that you never thought would happen have actually gone ahead. I've got two I think that most people would agree with, and one that made me sad. It was hell freezes over for all the wrong reasons. So number one for me, Edge returns at the Royal Rumble. I never, ever thought I would see Edge in a ring again. And when his music hit at that rumble, that was one of those moments for me of, oh my God, this is actually happening, right? Amazing. I, I it, it was unbelievable. I had, I've got a sad story about that one though. I had avoided spoilers all day at training. I hadn't stayed up because I had a big day at training on the Monday. So I'd avoid spoilers all day. And as I was getting back to my house to go to my room and watch it, I got a text from a very good friend of mine who remained nameless, who if he knew, he, I'd never told him he ruined it for me because if he knew, he'd be gutted. He'd beat himself up. But he's stayed up a few times to watch wrestling with me and I, he knows I normally stay up for the Rumble. So he presumed I'd watched and just texted me going, what about Edge being back, eh? And I was like, I just replied going, 
yeah, mental, isn't it? And I was <laughs> like, oh no. So that 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 was a tough one for me to take. But it wasn't me, was that, it? I didn't do that. No, no, no it wasn't you, Jack. No, I'm not, <laughs> if it was you, I'd out you out absolutely on the podcast. It wasn't you, don't worry. Um, I'll tell you off air who it was. Okay. Um, oh, mate, but that that I go back and watch that. That's one of those things. You know, there's certain things if they pop on your timeline, you take what you take the five minutes to watch them. If I see the edge return on my timeline, whatever I'm doing will be stopped because I will watch that. The look in his eyes, and he's almost bawling his eyes out. It's just amazing. I love it. I love it so much. And then that 24-7 or whatever they call it beforehand yeah. where they follow him. Because we saw the spear at SummerSlam and I, did, I thought, oh, that's unusual. But oh, he was in trouble with Beth when he got backstage, wasn't he? But you, you don't ever think when you're on the outside looking in, that's going to go anywhere. So Edge returning at the Rumble was amazing. Also, fair play on that one. Sorry to Dolph Zig. No, it's, not, it's Elias, isn't it, in there? Who he spears, is doesn't he, at SummerSlam? Because that yep. I remember Edge saying that wasn't planned. It was just he looked in his eye. He's like, I know Elias knows what I'm going to do here. Imagine if Elias hadn't. Imagine if he hadn't twigged and like went to hit him with his guitar or something and injured him. Or, or Edge just he, he just bounces off Elias. He just yeah, like he dropped his shoulder into him. Like it's a fair play to Elias on that one as well. Thank God he twigged what was going on. You, you just know for Edge what that meant. So that was a brilliant hell freezes over moment. And moment number two for me: Brian Danielson goes to AEW in the same year that he main events WrestleMania. And and I think what makes it even more of a hell freezes over moment is that Brian Danielson, I don't think was meant to be in the main event that year. I think it was one of those situations again where he forced himself in just by how good he was being. So to get the main event at WrestleMania and then think, and now I want to go somewhere else, hell freezes over. Yeah, that's his gimmick, isn't it? Being in main events at WrestleMania, he's not meant to be. Watch him somehow rock up in Roman Brock next Sunday. He'll be there somehow. <laughs> he'll be a triple threat. And then he'll win both the belts and take them to AEW. He'll go to Ring of Honor or something. That's where yeah. he's going to end up. He'll go to another promotion. And my final one, which may not be sad, but bittersweet, but this is something I was reminded of the other day. Hell freezing over. Kurt Angle's final WWE match being a mid-card bout with Baron Corbin at WrestleMania that goes less than 10 minutes. Who would have thought I, that's how I would go out? I would not like to talk about that. Thank you. Uh, that That is... Who thought that was the way to finish it? I know, I know. I know that, that it wasn't the Kurt Angle who was going to go out and have a 60-minute classic. I, I appreciate that. But Kurt Angle deserved better than to lose his last match in a throwaway bout at WrestleMania to Baron Corbin, who had no heat at that point, I thought it was a real shame that that was Kurt Angle's last hurrah in a WWE ring. Hugely, hugely sad. Um, while you're talking about Kurt Angle, though, mm. I think we could see him back in the next few weeks because I think a certain Gable Stevenson is going to debut after the Raw After Mania, and I could see him needing a manager. And would that not just make sense? It would, it would. I mean, no one knows more about Gable Stevenson's journey than Kurt Angle. Kurt can talk, Kurt can take him under his wing. I, I think that would make sense. That would be a brilliant way to get over a guy. And I think that I'm one of those people who knows about Gable Stevenson. I don't know much about him. He needs a manager. He yeah. needs vignettes to make people go, oh, uh, this guy. I, I think he's going to get the Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey treatment of I think that kid is getting pushed to the moon immediately. Come off the back of, he's just won, I think, his 27th NCAA title in a row or something. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Don't don't have him bumbling around the mid-card. Don't have him bumbling in NXT. Let's be honest, like, this kid can wrestle the boots off anyone in that ring. Let's, let's, let's show that story. 
Absolutely. Um, Before we get on to earning the push and back to developmental, let's give a quick mention to uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, purely because we're getting a dream match for many folks. The Briscoes against FTR is finally going to happen. If you don't think that's going to be hard-hitting entertainment, then you need to maybe check your assessment of wrestling because that is going to be brutal. They are going to beat the leather off each other. That, and that will be a callback to tag team wrestling, won't it? They both are very proud. They do proper tag team wrestling. I think that's going to be a tag team clinic that we've spoken about for years to come. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if if the Briscoes ended up in AEW at some point. I know there's some speculation that some comments in their past mean that maybe AEW isn't the destination for them. Isn't it great that in wrestling at the moment, we're in a position where, hell, the Briscoes can face FDR in Ring of Honor, and and we can get that. We can get Undertaker going in the Hall of Fame. We can get Cody turning up at WrestleMania. We've got Hardy in AEW. It's a brilliant time. There's no rules at the moment. It seems like there are no rules of what can and can't happen anymore, and it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely is. There's always a rule on this pod, which is we always finish with earning the push and back to developmental. First or second this week, Charlie? I'll go first. Okay. Earning the push is the Women's Six Nations start this weekend. Yay! Um, And obviously, I have a vested interest. My sister will be playing for England. But if you are a rugby fan, um, there is no international rugby this weekend apart from it. Give it a watch. It is on BBC, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I think BBC have the rights to it, but it's on BBC or ITV. It's very easy to watch. Uh, free-to-air TV, and it's just, it's the exact same tournament as the men's Six Nations, just the women are playing. And it's brilliant. The class and quality of women's rugby at that international level is exceptional. These are all 95% of them are professional athletes. They are brilliant. And actually, they should all be professional athletes, and the only way they get that is more support. So more viewing figures, more, um, more people watching, more people enjoying what they do. And you will enjoy it. If you're a rugby fan, rugby is rugby, whether it's men's, women's, sevens, kids, whatever it is, it is rugby. And if you need any other reason to get on board, well, their new sponsor is TikTok. So one of the biggest brands in the world is getting on board with this. So if you're sitting at home going, oh, I don't think there's much about this women's rugby. Well, there's billions of dollars in it now. So I reckon I reckon maybe they know a little bit more. So honestly, if you're a rugby fan, if you're not a rugby fan, probably not for you because it's rugby. But if you are, go and give it a watch. It's brilliant. Oh, and even if you're not a rugby fan, you can get into it. The Six Nations, there's something special about it. Um, Give folks a little bit of a primer who may have heard that and think, OK, I need to watch it. Who are the favourites? Who who should be, when all is said and done, sport being unpredictable, but who should be the teams to watch? You would be expecting it probably to come down to, on the last weekend, La Croche, England versus France. You would expect, if I was a betting man, I would bet on them both being four from four going into that last match. Uh, England are number one in the world. Currently, France are number three. England are off the back of 18 wins in a row, which is bonkers. They haven't lost in 18 games. France have only lost, I think, in their last 10 games to England. Uh, they both beat New Zealand in the Autumn Internationals, who are historically the best team in the world. And it's huge because they will play each other in that last game of the Six Nations, probably decide who wins the Six Nations, is in France. And the crowds in France, they will be, I think they're playing in Montpellier. I think they're expecting about 28, 29,000 in for that. That'll be incredible. Um, but then the next time they play each other will be in October in the World Cup because they've been drawn the same group as each other. So it's huge, not just in the context of the Six Nations, but getting a bit of momentum into this year's World Cup. So that is what I expect. But, Wales have just gone with their first lot of professional contracts. We're expecting a big improvement from them. Scotland have just qualified for the World Cup for the first time in a while. So they're on, on improving. Ireland are having a big rejig of their women's rugby structure. So they're in a bit of a they're in a bit of an NXT developmental phase, if we're being honest. So it might be not the best year for them, but I think in the next few years you'll see 
the uh, the fruits of the labour of this year. And Italy are a bit like the Italian men. They're a little bit of a wild card of they can be really poor or just go and beat someone out of nowhere. So they're always a tough team to beat. So it's a really interesting tournament just for sports fans as well. Yep, those are the stakes. Lots of moving parts. Do give that a watch and do. Uh, I'm not a big TikToker, but... I sound so old when I said that. Tick-tocker, as I think the kids say. What's this tick-tocking all the children are doing? Shall we tick-tock? Um, but I do follow Nick Heath on Instagram. And if you follow him, he is heavily involved with it as well, putting up some great content. So that's worth doing. Uh, that's getting the push. What is not? Right. What's going back to developmental is everyone tells you, oh, a German shepherd. That'll <laughs> be a smart dog. Not mine. He's an absolute idiot. I'm going to give you two stories from this week, from my last week of having this puppy. Um, he has a ball, loves his ball. I watched him in 10 minutes hit the ball under the sofa seven times and look at me like, where's the ball gone, Dad? I then go and get the ball while I have to fight him to get it because he thinks it's a game. So he climbs on my head, sits on my head, which is hilarious. Get the ball out. He then smacks it straight back under the sofa and looks at me and goes, where's the ball gone, Dad? Uh, on the seventh time, I said, go find it. Go find your ball. Like, come on, you've seen me get it. You can work this out. You know what he did to try and find it? He jumped on the sofa, which he knows he's not allowed to do. So he got to turn up to then. Then the game got ruined because I had to shout at him. And they went, he goes and sulks when he gets shouted at now. He goes oh, and sits mate. in his corner and sulks. And you're like, oh, mate. So that's one. Also, second of all, he's allowed upstairs. We made a decision. He's allowed upstairs. He's not allowed on beds, but he's allowed upstairs. Basically, because when I'm sat in this office here, if I'm doing work, I want him to be able to be in, if it's just me in the house, I don't want him downstairs by himself. I'd rather he's up here with Mick. He's allowed upstairs. He didn't want to go upstairs. And that's fine. I'm not going to make him. He finally got brave enough to go upstairs earlier this week. Okay? He then wasn't sure about coming downstairs, which is fine. It was his first time, but he got down the stairs. Okay? He now, if one of us goes upstairs, sprints up with you. Okay? You then walk down, and he starts wailing and crying because he doesn't like coming down the stairs. Stop coming upstairs, then. No one's forcing you, dog. Are like, you concerned? Because for folks who follow Charlie on social media, you will have seen, even in the short time that you have had your dog, a significant growth spurt. Oh, mate, he's massive. He's going to be a giant. I didn't want a giant dog. I wanted a big dog. I'm going to get a giant. Like, we went around to my mates who have got a Newfoundland, and he got his Newfoundland when he was 12 weeks, which is what Otto is now. And he looked at him the other day. He went, I think he's bigger than Kobe when we got Kobe. I said, don't say that. I said, don't say that. Because... I don't, everyone's going, oh, you got a German Shepherd, you knew you were getting a big dog. Yes, but but not a giant dog. Like, he could end up ridiculously big. And I, I'm going to have to get a different car. I'm going to have to change my whole life for this stupid dog who I absolutely adore, and he's the best. He's going to, he, he will be the size of a horse. I have no doubt about it looking at him. He is, I mean, the, the ears on the lad at the moment, yeah. they are already huge. Um, I won't ask how much you're spending in dog food, but I imagine that maybe... Too much, too much, probably. Next contract you sign... Your endorsement deal should have some sort of sponsorship for dog food, yes, wherever yes. that may be. Uh, look, uh, for me, earning the push, Cornwall in the springtime. It's looking lovely. Oh, stunning. This part of the world is looking glorious at the moment. It's looking really, really lovely. Um, there aren't too many tourists around. I don't knock tourists. We need tourists for the economy. But it's nice to have that little respite. But back to developmental, the thing that most of us have been thinking for the past three years, is it hay fever? Is it a cold? Is it COVID? That old game that we've been doing, because I feel a little under the weather today. My voice, you can probably tell, is a little croaky. And I've been playing the, is it COVID? Is it hay fever? Is it a cold game? Which, you know, in, in 40, 50 years, when you're talking to the grandkids about this time we're living in, 
You'll talk about Zoom. You'll talk about clapping outside. And you'll talk about, is it hay fever? Is it a cold? Is it COVID? And you'll talk about my favourite part of the pandemic, where you couldn't have a pint unless you had a scotch egg. <laughs> Which, that was a bonkers part of the pandemic. You know what I had to do to have a pint once? I had to have a slice of millionaire shortbread with it because that counted as a substantial meal. Oh, what a hard, what a hardship! Because because the the kitchen wasn't open the pub yet, but they did. It was a pub cafe, and they did millionaire shortbread. And I managed to convince the man that that was a substantial meal. What what my my bit I remember will be um the haircuts, the home haircuts. So ah, not a problem for me. I just all I did was let my beard grow ridiculously long. I look back at pictures of the end of that first, like the first easing. Where I've been, I'd, when it first eased, I moved down to Exeter with my uh, with my girlfriend, and th- at that point, I was like, I probably sort my beard out because she looked at me and she was like, Charlie, you've not done anything to that in like five months. I look back at pictures of that now, and oh, it was just awful. I was I was in an Alice band, and then there was a point where I said to my boyfriend, "You just have to cut it. You just have to." And he was so cocky beforehand. Oh yeah, it'll be easy. I can just cut. I can just cut hair. How hard can it be? The moment I put the clippers in his hand. He was shaking. I don't want to do this. I don't. I don't want to do this. So uh, for me, this I think is a cold rather than hay fever or COVID. But it's not fun having those conversations. So that's going back to developmental. Also, I bet you I've got to come down to Cornwall next weekend to play the Pirates, which is never fun. They're always horrible to play. Well, it is fun actually. It's always fun. It's a lot of fun. Bet you it's raining. Yeah. Bet you it's raining and muddy at the Menai. The where? The Menai. That's not how you say it. How do you say it? It's the Menai. Is it? Yes, yeah, the Menai. Have you been I've saying the? I've called the Menai the whole time. No, that's, that's not right. Oh, well, now, now the whole of Cornwall hates me. It's, it's, it's the Menai with, with an A sound, not an I. And, well, oh, well. For, for, uh, your, for your post-match interviews, which you as captain will probably have to do, you can now say it's a tough old place to come, the Menai, the Menai. rather than the Menai. I, play, I played in, this one before we go, one for rugby fans, I played in potentially the worst game rugby ever played at the Menai with Jersey. It finished 8-7 to Jersey. It was 8-7 after six minutes. <sighs> The next 74 minutes, no one scored a point. <laughs> I have done commentary on games like that, and, and it's it's no fun to commentate on. I can tell you that as well. You find yourself throwing around the grounds a lot more than otherwise you would. Uh, well, look, um, next week, I think it's a really simple one that we'll be talking about. WrestleMania predictions, the match you're most excited for, the match you think will over-deliver, and the surprises you think we'll get. So three things we're after. The match you're most excited for, the match you think will over-deliver, and the surprises you think we'll get. Before we go, Charlie, are we going to see Cody Rhodes on Raw on the final Wrestle- uh, Raw before WrestleMania or not? No, I don't think we see him until Mania now. Yeah, I think I agree with you. But look, if you do, if you don't, do get involved on social media. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. WrestleMania predictions next week. It's such a good time to be a wrestling fan. We thank you for your support. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen. More and more of you doing it each and every week. On behalf of Charlie and myself, we'll see you again next week. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>